Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Amen. Was well, a welcome team is uh, passing the offering buckets. If you have your Bibles, turn. Um, actually, turn to Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four. <clears throat> Today we're going to talk about a topic uh, that I, I don't hear talked about a whole lot in church, and we're, we're still on our series of every moment where we're. We're, we're remembering that God is with us in every moment, that we're, right now we're looking at how do we make sure that we're ready for every moment. And today, this topic that we're going to talk about um, is a topic that maybe there's some confusion in the church about because uh, this topic has a different biblical definition than it does a society or cultural definition, the way we use it now. This topic that we're going to talk about today, when we, we say we lose this, and, and if you lose it, your energy, uh, your motivation, your perseverance, um, it's either diminished or sometimes it can even be destroyed. To not have this uh, can make you not want to even get out of bed in the morning. I mean, it can paralyze you to the point where you don't even want to get up. You feel no need in even getting up, and it can... Um, uh, it, it can even feel like it forces you to quit almost anything in your life or depending on how much you've lost this, it could feel like it's forcing you to quit almost everything in your life. It can even make your heart sick to have it delayed. But if you have this, uh, your energy, your motivation, your, preser- your perseverance, it's, it's catapulted to a higher level um, than, than maybe you've ever experienced before. It, having this makes you want to get out of bed every morning, and, and it keeps you from quitting anything in your life. Um, God is the God of this, and he, uh, he is the one who gives this. The Bible tells us that it is unseen, and it doesn't put us to shame. But to have this, um, God will make sure that it doesn't cause us to, to fall into shame. Um, this produces praise, and it gives us confidence and boldness. Today, we're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about hope in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. It means they are continuing on. They are living. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Last week we talked about faith. We said that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is now. Faith is what you believe about right now. Hope is uh, to anticipate, usually with pleasure or expectation or confidence. Hope is a belief in the future. Faith is a belief right now. Hope is a belief in the future. This is not wishful thinking like society or culture does with hope. You know, we say, um, you know, every pastor on Sunday morning says, I hope it doesn't rain today. Because y'all may not know this, but we know this. Like if it rains, that means there's a certain number of people that aren't coming to church. (laughs) So I hope it doesn't rain. I'm not real confident of whether or not it'll rain. But I hope it doesn't rain. That's not a biblical way to use hope. Hope is not something that you're wishing. Hope is a belief, a belief in the future, a belief that tomorrow will be better than today. Really what hope is, is hope is a belief in what God can do. 
And so in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, we're going to read a a story here of something that happened during Jesus' time uh, that a lot of us are familiar with. In verse 35, it says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, being the disciples, Let us go across to the other side. So the disciples were uh, with Jesus at the Sea of Galilee. All these people come. Jesus teaches them. And now they're on the side. They're they're near the sea, but they're not in the sea. And he says, all right, I'm done teaching. Now us disciples, we're going to send all the people away. And we're going to go. We're going to get in this boat. And we're going to go to the other side of the sea. Now, many times when you read this story, you just keep reading. And and some of you already know what's going to happen. But you keep reading and you overlook this first point that Jesus makes. And Jesus here tells them, let us go to the other side of the sea. What is Jesus doing? He's giving them an instruction. He's giving them instruction that they are to go to the other side of the sea. If they stay where they are, they are disobeying what Jesus said. They are not obeying the instruction that he gave. He is also giving them a promise. Because for Jesus to say, do this, is to also say that you can do this. You may not be able to do this on your own, but you are empowered to follow Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and therefore you have all the power that you need to do everything that he asks you to do. So if he says, let us go to the other side, then that is instruction for us to go to the other side, and that is a promise that you will make it to the other side. We have to make sure that we listen to the instructions that Jesus gives us. Because when Jesus gives them this instructions, they were, they were face to face, if you will, so they could physically, literally hear his instructions. But even though we're not face to face naturally with him anymore, we can still hear his instructions. The Bible says that, that, that his sheep know his voice and a stranger's voice they don't follow. So if you follow him, you have the ability to be able to hear his instructions. And when we hear his instructions, we must make sure we do just like these disciples would have done with Jesus being right there with them, that if he says go to the other side, we are going to go to the other side. We're going to do what we need to do to obey him, and we are going to have faith now that we're going to the other side and hope in the future that we will get to the other side. See, the faith now is, I'm going to get in this boat, and we are going to make it to the other side, but I believe right now this is what I am supposed to be doing, and I believe this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and Jesus is with me in this. The hope is we are going to get to the other side. I'm not wishing it. I'm not thinking it. I am believing we are getting to the other side because Jesus said that's where we're going. This is what Jesus told me. You got to ask yourself, what is Jesus telling you? Are you listening? Do you hear what he's telling you? And when you do hear it, do you, are you having faith to do your part now? And are you having hope that he will do his part to get you to the other side of the sea? In verse 36, it says, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat. So Jesus is with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. <clears throat> this is interesting. Jesus told them to go to the other side. They obeyed. Jesus was in the boat with them. And the storm still arose. I've heard teaching of 
this storm arises in your life and it's because you're not right with Jesus. You just need to make sure that you are, are following Jesus. You need to make sure that what, what Jesus tell you to do. And, and, and a lot of times um, uh, that can be a valid question. Like if you're not following Jesus, if you're not obeying what Jesus told you to do, then you are absolutely running into storms. But we repeatedly see through the gospels where people are obeying Jesus and the storm arises. So just because you have a storm in your life right now doesn't mean that you're missing it. It doesn't mean that you're out of the will of God. It doesn't mean that you are not obeying everything that God wants you to obey. It also doesn't mean that Jesus isn't in the boat with you. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus is in your boat. He is in the boat with you. He is with you every moment. He never leaves you. He never turns his back on you. And yet there will still be storms that arise. Jesus said this way, that, that, that in this world there will be persecution, there will be pressure, there will be difficulties, there will be issues. We live in a fallen world. He says, but be of good cheer because he has overcome and we have overcome all of that. That, that storms will arise whether you're following him or not, whether he's in your boat or not. The question is just going to be, <laughs> how are you going to fight these storms? How are you going to get through these storms? How are you going to handle these storms? These moments where the storms arise, too many of us begin to question whether Jesus is in our boat or not. If you've given your life to Jesus, I can tell you this, he is in your boat. He is in their boat and the storm arises. But this wasn't always the case of when these storms hit the disciples, especially even out on the sea. In Matthew chapter 14, um, some of you all have heard the story, many of you all, if not most of you all, or all of you all have heard the story of Jesus walking on water and Peter walking on water. But if you go back and look at that, it was a very similar story. The disciples were with Jesus. They were by the sea, and, and Jesus doesn't get in the boat with them, but he sends them out in a boat. And all of a sudden, there's this storm. The storm arises again. They are, they are panicking, and all of a sudden, there's Jesus. And then Peter's like, hey, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to walk on the water. Peter gets out of the boat, walks on the water. He's walking to Jesus. In the, but the storm didn't stop. The storm didn't stop. Peter is walking on the water and there's a storm going on all around him. There is a storm hitting the boat of the disciples. He's doing a miracle and the storm's still going. And, and, and the Bible tells that Peter's walking on water and he clearly gets close to Jesus. But then he looks at the storm. He, he puts his focus off of Jesus and puts his focus onto the storm and all of a sudden... He begins to sink. All of a sudden, what was working in that moment, what Jesus wanted him to do, he took his focus and put it on the difficulties, on the, on the pressures, on the being pushed back and forth on the waves and the wind of the storm, and it caused him to begin to fail. He was so close that Jesus was able to reach out and pull him up. So if Jesus is not in your boat... And this storm is arising. That, that, hey, that's okay because Jesus will literally walk on water to get to you. He will pull you out of that storm. And even when you begin to sink because you're doing it wrong, he will reach down and pick you up. 
this is so good because each of us have either recently been in a storm, are currently in a storm, or or y'all know the rest of this saying, right? Or another storm is coming. So you need to know how to handle these storms. If you think about this, these are professional fishermen. Here they are. These are professional fishermen. They would have been used to the storm coming. They would have been used to handling the sea during the storm. And this this storm arises as they're obeying Jesus. And then when we keep reading, it says that the... uh, the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now, now listen, many of us have been through so many storms that we can handle the storms going on around us, right? If you've been in church a long time, um, you, you'll, you'll quote scriptures like, you know, a thousand may fall by my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near me. I don't know if that's the King James, but it would probably like, will not befall neareth me, you know. But that's, that's the point, right? Like, 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 like we're used to handling storms going on around us and we tune out the drama and we, and we know how to just stay in our lane and focus and, and not worry about them and not worry about that. And, and the storms going on around us, we've learned how to handle We can keep our hope in those moments. But this storm isn't just swirling around this boat. The water begins to break into the boat, begins to fill up the boat. And see, that's a whole different level of storm when it's not just going on around you, but now it's breaking into your boat. Maybe it's breaking into your family. Maybe it's breaking into your children. Maybe it's breaking into your mind. And now you cannot ignore this storm and keep some hope for the future. You have to deal with the storm. Because if you don't deal with this storm, it is sinking the boat. Those other storms where they talked about you and they lied about you and that, 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 didn't, that didn't, that's the storm going on around you. That, that's not in your boat. You can let that in your boat, but that's not really in your boat. When you're at your son's track meet and your other son is unresponsive, that's in your boat. That's a storm in your boat. You can't handle that the same way that you handle the storm that hadn't broke through, hadn't started to fill up your boat, that's just swirling around you. You can't handle that the same way as somebody talking about you or offending you because you're too easily offended. The, the, you, you, the water is breaking into the boat. The waves are pushing them back and forth and up and down. The water is getting in and it is about to sink the boat can't keep doing what you've been doing in that scenario because if you do nothing listen I used to be the king of let's do nothing and just hope it goes away it's like if like if we just this let's just keep that out of our boat that's their problem that's theirs I'm in my boat once those waves and that water starts breaking up your boat filling up your boat you can't ignore it or you will drown So, when we read in verse 38, it says, but he was in the stern, being Jesus, asleep on the cushion. Uh, Jesus is boss. Jesus is the man. I mean, these professional fishermen are freaking out. Their boat is breaking up. Water is filling it up, and Jesus is knocked out. I mean, it, it even tells us he's asleep on the cushion. Like, he got a pillow. 
And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, they didn't say it like that. That's not how they said it. They said, teacher, do you not care that we are dying? Like, how you're asleep and this storm is killing. We're, we're about to drown. These are professional fishermen. They are used to storms. How bad is this storm? This couldn't have been a regular storm. They would have known how to handle their boat in a regular storm. This is a storm that has these big, grown, scary, rough, tough fishermen panicking. They have lost all hope. All hope. They have lost it. It is It is gone. They have no more hope. Clearly, they've tried to do everything that they know to do, and none of it is working. Because, listen, Jesus is in their boat. They don't want to wake him unless they have to. Listen, I fall asleep on my couch often. I mean, I probably sleep on our couch more than in my bed, and not because we're having marital problems. Just because I just fall asleep. And y'all know when you're in that, like, good sleep? Y'all know the good sleep? I mean, your neck maybe is not hurting yet. You know, it's about to hurt because you're in the wrong, but it's not hurting yet. And the couch is still fluffy in the spot where you're, let, like, that good sleep, and you've hit that good sleep. Do you know one of the times that I have to be the most patient with my kids? Is when I've hit that good sleep, and they know I'm asleep. And they don't wake me up by being loud. They're kids. They actually walk over to me and say, Dad, Dad. And, and, and I'm like, I'm waking up and it's like the, the good sleep that you are not about to get back. Once you wake up, it's gone. It is gone. I'm going to go back to sleep, but it's not going to be as good. And they're like, Dad. Dad, and I'm like, oh, that was the good sleep. And so now I'm like, I'm looking at one of these precious little people. And I'm looking at them and, and I'm praying, Lord, please let this be really important. Something that the oldest couldn't handle, because the oldest is too scared to do this. Please let their mom have slipped out to go to the grocery store while I was sleeping so like they could not go to her. That doesn't happen by the way, but I'm just like, please make this worth it. And they'll say, dad, can I go to the refrigerator and get a cup of water? <laughs> now they have zero restrictions on getting water. All three of them can get their own water. We put the cups in a low place so they can get their own. All of them do this consistently. It takes everything in me not to send them to their room with no water, no more food. You're going to bed for the rest of the night. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You're going to bed. But like, like, I try to teach them, like, you don't just wake me up. Like, if you're going to wake me up, like, make it worth it. How much more Jesus is sleeping in their boat? Like, they're not just going to wake Jesus up. Because they know Jesus might say something like Jesus actually said to them. Like, why are you waking me up? 
You could have got your own water. The, the cups are low enough. You have no restrictions. Get the cup. Go hit the button. Get your water. <laughs> they weren't going to be quick to wake Jesus up. They were going to handle it themselves. Don't forget now. They're not just fishermen. They are men. So they're going to be even slower to go to Jesus and wake Jesus up and ask Jesus for help. But this is the exact right move. The only thing wrong with this move is they should have done it earlier. The only thing wrong with this move is they should have went to Jesus at the beginning. Uh, The Bible tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. See, in every moment, we need to seek God first. We need to go to Jesus first. We need to go to Jesus before the storms arise. We need to go to Jesus as soon as the storms arise. The truth of the matter is, uh, too many Christians, they go to him at the beginning and then they just try to figure it out after that. So they go to Jesus in the beginning and they try to wake him up and then they just like, all right, you're not waking up so I'm gonna go work, do this on my own. But no, you shouldn't just acknowledge him in the beginning. You need to acknowledge him in the beginning, in the middle, in the end, and every place in between in every moment he is with you and we need to be ready so they finally go to Jesus which is a good move they are panicking because they have lost hope they have lost hope there was a study by this guy um, a long time ago and it makes a lot of sense to us now Uh, but he he did these studies on these animals and he found that when animals face difficult situations or dangerous situations that they would um, perceive that once they exhausted their ability to escape that situation what did they do they just gave up they stopped trying and they just accepted the inevitable of the situation and I don't think that's just animals Right? Like, like if you talk to the people that are the most hurting, that are the most down, that are the most out, it's, it's because they've lost hope. See, to lose hope, it's not just the motivation to get out of bed, but when you lose hope, man, that's when so many people throw their hands up. Say, this is just the way it is. I'm just going to be sick the rest of my life. I'm just going to be single the rest of my life. I'm just never going to have enough. I'm just never going to be happy. This is just the way my marriage is. It's just, we're, we're not going to be intimate anymore. That's just, it's just the way it is. You just got to deal with it. Why? Why? Not because of what you believe right now, but because of what you believe about the future. You, you don't believe that this situation can change. And so you think that the future will be just like this or worse. And you got a decision to make. Are you going to try to change your own future? Or are you going to accept this future? Or there's a third option that Jesus gives us. And that is, he said, we are going to the other side. He said it. It wasn't just instructions. It was a promise. The third option is, what did Jesus say to you about your situation? What are the instructions he gave to you? What are the promises he gave to you? Because once you know those promises, once you have those instructions, then you always have hope. You always have hope. The Bible, especially in the New Testament, when it talks about this biblical hope, it talks a lot about biblical hope for heaven because we're not yet in heaven. But we, we're not hoping for heaven. We're not wishing for heaven. But we have a belief 
that at the end of this, we are going to that place called heaven. So again, no matter what happens here, the difficulties, the trials, the tribulations, we have a hope of a future that is bliss, that is utopia. Hopelessness is a feeling of defeat in the moment and, a, and defeat in all future moments. I, I, I want you, if you're in a position of hopelessness, whether it be in your finances, your body, your marriage, your kids, your future, whatever it is, I want you to do like these disciples and go to Jesus. You may feel like you got to wake him up. You may feel like he's sleeping through all your problems. But you know what? Go wake him up. He's not asleep, but if you believe he's asleep, go wake him up. And how do you go wake him up? You go to him in prayer. You go to him in his word. And you keep talking to him until he wakes up. You keep talking to him until you have the instructions. You keep talking to him until you have the promise. You can try to base this on feelings because when you think Jesus is asleep, really what you're saying is you're basing this on your feelings, on what you're seeing, and that's not the case because he doesn't sleep. He's not turning a blind eye. He's not ignoring you. He's every bit with you in those moments where you feel like he's apart from you as those moments where you feel like he's right there with you. He never leaves you. He never turns his back on you. But seek him. Seek him. Keep seeking him and keep seeking him because he is the answer to your hopelessness. He is the answer to that future that you don't see how in the world it could be any better. I, I got to finish here. Verse 39, it says, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and, and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Jesus like, this is easy. As soon as he woke up, like, all right, all right, wind, waves, stop all that. Be still. And immediately, you know what he didn't do? This is going to step on some of y'all's toes. He didn't say, you know what? Let's, uh, let's all gather in the cabin and let's have a prayer meeting. Let's go before the Lord for the next 18 hours until this storm, until we just can believe this storm goes away. You know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. He woke up and he said, peace, be still. How in the world could he just wake up and say, peace, be still? Because he believed what he was supposed to believe. And when you believe what you say you believe, sometimes you just need to say what God already said. And you need to believe it and you need to act like it. There is a place for prayer. There's a place for corporate prayer. There's a place for us gathering together to pray, and that is important. But some Christians use that as a crutch to hide their unbelief. So then he says to them, he, he, he says three words to the wind and the sea, peace, be still. Then to the disciples, he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus is not just asking them, why don't they have faith? He's saying, why, don't, why did they lose hope? Didn't they remember that he said they were going to the other side? Like, didn't he, don't, don't you remember that he said you were going to be married? Don't you remember that he said you would have kids? That you'd be fruitful and multiply? Don't, don't you remember that specific thing that he said to you about your future? 
Don't you remember that he said, what he brings together, let no man divide? Don't don't you remember that, that he said that you have the ability to forgive seven times 70 times forever? That doesn't, don't, don't, don't you remember that he, that he said that he owns a cattle on a, I don't know if it's a cattle on a thousand hills or a thousand cattle on one hill. He owns all of it. I always get that mixed up. None of this is planned. This is not in my notes. I would have done research to get that one right. But don't you remember he said something like that? <laughs> that he provides all your needs? Like, like if you've lost your hope, or if you ever get in a place where you lose your hope, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta go to Jesus and get in his presence and talk to him. And then you gotta remember the instructions and the promises that he's given to you. Because that's what gives you the hope. My hope that tomorrow will be better than today is not based on the fact that I'm older, wiser, stronger, or more prosperous today. It has nothing to do with me. My hope that tomorrow will be better than today is because tomorrow is another day that I get to be with Jesus. Amen. Another day that he is with me, not leaving me and, and, and helping me and leading me and guiding me. You wanna get your hope back? You gotta get back to the source. I pray that Jesus never has to ask me or us this question. This question of, why are you so afraid? Why do you not have faith? How did you lose hope? Because we're going to live every moment believing what he said is more real and more true than what we're seeing. And what we're experiencing. And we're going to live every moment, not in a wishy-washy, hopeful, wishful thinking hope, but we're going to live every moment in a belief that the future, no matter what it entails here on the earth, will conclude with a day where there is no more crying, there are no more tears, there is no more sickness or pain or fear or worry. That at the end of all of this, there's an eternity waiting for the believer that will make every trial and tribulation we face here seem as if it were nothing. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.